Hey, what's up? This is Joey Allen from Warrant, and you are on the road to rock. Turn it up. Thank you so much, man. I, I love talking about the things that I love, Clint, and for you to allow me to do it with you. God bless you. God bless the heartland. God bless America. You are now on the road to rock. It's not just a podcast. It's an unabashed celebration of rock's living legends. And now, please welcome your host, the master of your rock and roll road trip, leading you down the highway to hell, Clint Schweitzer. Your summer of rock continues right here on the Road to Rock. I am your host, Clint Schweitzer. Thank you so much for being with me yet again. And the busy month of July continues for me. Just back from uh, quite a vacation to uh, the west, northwest part of the United States. Was up there in uh, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana. A wonderful trip uh, just uh, last week, so getting ready to head out again, doing a, an Arizona-Utah kind of national parks journey coming up here, so trying to fit in as many interviews as possible in between all the travels, and we've got your back here on the Road to Rock, because that's what we do all summer long. This is the Return to Rock. I've already been out there uh, to several shows so far this summer. Uh, it kind of started with Sticks back in June, then REO Speedwagon on the 4th of July, then I was just at uh, the Mid-American Music Festival in Trenton, Missouri, which featured Great White Slaughter and Autograph, which was a tremendous event in Trenton. So things are really uh, coming around here, and I know there's still some concerns out there, and we're all trying to do this the right way, but I think uh, everything is heading back towards you know what we know, hopefully, and uh, we'll see how things progress, but uh, just the fact that you can go to a live show, you can go uh, see bands, uh, this summer has been a, a huge turnaround from last year when you without live music I mean you really will never take it for granted again and a lot of artists won't either they won't take for granted being on stage again so there's definitely uh, a renewed sense of enthusiasm this week's guest uh, to be quite honest is something I never thought would happen here on the road to rock I uh, tried to <laughs> track down this guest uh, about five years ago, when I finished the television show Californication, I'm talking about David Duchovny, who played uh, the incomparable Hank Moody, uh, one of the great television characters of all time. Yes, Hank was very flawed in many ways, but man, the heart, uh, the sharp, uh, biting wit that Hank had was really unprecedented to me in television history. If you haven't seen Californication, go get a Showtime subscription and watch it immediately. It's not on Netflix anymore, but to me... One of the uh, more entertaining shows of all time. And it had a lot of heart for as vulgar as it could be, for as uh, down and dirty L.A. as it could be. There's something really grounded in family and loyalty that really it all comes back to uh, for this character of, of Hank Moody. He plays a, a writer on that show that is very depraved and uh, really can never quite keep it together. He's a very smart guy, but he falls down the usual pitfalls uh, that, that include living in LA. So David Duchovny, I think a tremendous actor. I think somebody that people remember from uh, shows like the X-Files, he was on a show called Capricorn, and uh, just recently he was in the Craft Legacy, a kind of reboot, retelling, reimagining, what have you, of uh, the original Craft, which uh, came out uh, back in the uh, late 90s. So David Duchovny's an accomplished actor, but he has also made the tra transition into music. I think very successfully so. Does he have the best voice uh, of all time? 
Uh, no, he absolutely does not have the greatest voice of all time. But he's worked with some tremendous musicians. This is his third studio album, and it comes out August 20th. It's called Gesture Land. And I think some of the musical arrangements, some of the way you know that he writes, and some very good music on this album. I absolutely love it. There's a song called Sea of Tranquility, which has Bob Dylan feels all to get out. I mean, you really feel that just singer-songwriter mentality that David has, and he's a very funny guy. And after five years of trying to make this happen, of trying to track down a publicist and trying to get this happening, I mean, David Duchovny is a guy that's going to be more likely to appear on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon than on the road to rock. Yet it has happened. I think this is a true testament to, you know, staying the course and it pays off. This is an interview I've wanted to do for so long and it's happening. It's right here. It's David Duchovny. It's coming up. We're going to be talking about gesture land uh, on this album. He even gets into the political realm with the song laying on the tracks. And I get the sense that David and I don't always align politically, but what you hear in this interview is some amazing common ground and an explanation for this song laying on the tracks, which is kind of an anti-Trump song at its heart, but there's so much more to it. I think, the way David describes it in this interview makes you realize that if people could just be like that, could just have that mentality, we would all be so much better off. And I think that's what I took from this. Not only that, David Duchovny has a lot of the Hank Moody uh, in him, really. I mean, he's just a very sharp, smart, funny person, and we get into all that and much more. So without further ado, let's take you to this interview five years in the making with none other than actor, musician, author, David Duchovny. David, yes. how's everything going, man? Welcome. You're on the road to rock, so congratulations to you, but the bigger pleasure is certainly mine, my friend. How's everything going? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's it's a pleasure. You're making the rounds. It's a little bit different than, you know, hopping on with, with, with Jimmy Kimmel or something to talk about uh, a new TV show, but yeah. this has got to be kind of cool as well, getting to venture into a whole new realm, talking music, talking about the new album. Yeah. It's got to be kind of cool, right? It is. It's uh, it's it, it's definitely kind of more in depth. I mean, talking about music is it's a funny thing to try to talk about music, you know, because it's like it's like, yeah, you know, I was like, I can tell you, oh, man, you're going to like this. But, you know, I don't know. You got to listen to it. Well, good luck here. Uh, good news here. Anyway, I, I do like it. I've uh, been uh, listening to, to Gesture Land for, for the past uh, couple of weeks, kind of in, in preparation oh. to talk to you. It's it's really good. I tell you, so far, I, I think my favorite song so far, and I'm getting ready to go on kind of a cross-country road trip. This is a perfect album for that. But Sea of Tranquility, ah. I think, to me, it's got so much Bob Dylan in it. And I know that you have a lot of influences and a lot of musicians that have kind of influenced you. Do you Did you kind of see some Bob Dylan in that? And that's so far my favorite track. Where, where does it rank yeah. for you? <laughs> oh, well, um, obviously, uh, I, I have a special place for that because I put it last, right? That's, a, that's like, besides first. Last is, uh, you know, it's an important spot. As know. I've learned throughout my life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sea of Tranquility was really a song that I, I spent uh, a lot of time on in the production sense of it, because I, ever since um, I wrote it, I, I, I felt like it was an impactful kind of a, an emotional song. And I really, I liked it a lot, but... I wasn't getting it to the point in terms of recording it and, and arranging and, you know, the instruments, the instrumentation of it, uh, where it was, where it was kind of having the impact that I wanted. So 
of, of all the songs I think on the album probably tinkered most with the production of Sea of Tranquility until, you know, at first we started like just guitar and me, you know, and I was like, nah, I want this, you know, I want kind of a swell. I want this to be a very emotional. I know it's simple. You know, it has that kind of very simple head on approach and you want to hear the lyrics. I also want kind of an emotional swell to happen. So there was a lot of playing around with it. And yes, I, I, I thank you for saying that. And I kind of agree that, that that's, um, that's a real strong song. It is. And I, I think that the songwriting here is incredible. And you said something uh, in a previous interview, maybe even a few months ago, that that really kind of struck me as someone that loves music and loves delving in. But you said, um, you know, writing lyrics is different than writing a song. I think that there's so much depth on this album. Kind of talk about your songwriting and where it's come. Now, this is your third album. Do you feel like it has positively evolved through the three albums because i i think that you know you i mean you're an author as well you have a way with words you're a creative person but man this the it seems like you're really hitting on all cylinders here or writing wise on this album yeah i think um yeah i mean like 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 take sea of tranquility again i mean I'll, just generally i i would say um i i, I got more comfortable like because i'd written poems when i was young and and uh you know, for a while I thought of myself as a poet, whatever that means. And I uh, never wrote lyrics, uh, never really kind of considered what writing a lyric was. And then when I started to write songs, I really started to consider this kind of magical interplay between the words and the music because a poem is the words do all the work and a lyric, no, the lyrics do, let's say half, but maybe less than that. They have to get out of the way of the music and they both have to have to kind of meld and even like looking at it from the perspective of somebody who's looked at movies or television shows and I've I've been in the position of like choosing a song for a scene and it's like if there's too many lyrics in the song it's going to fight the dialogue of the scene so it's almost like that it's like you want the lyrics to be full and you want them to be kind of emotive but you don't want them to fight you know the music so that's a, that's a dance. Every song, every song, you come up with that dance. Uh, and see, see if tranquility. Just to give you an example of how the lyrics came about was, um, you know, I I'm old enough. You know, when I was nine, my parents woke me up to see the moon landing. So I I heard about Sea of Tranquility, which is where which is where they landed. And it was always this, it's so, it's just a beautiful image, but the fact that it's on the moon is, is uh, eerie to me, you know, that there's no sea, you know, it's a crater. It's a, <laughs> so I was always kind of taken with the poetic nature of Sea of Tranquility. And then I read an article just by chance about these, these two, um, I think they were meth heads that had been arrested robbing a convenience store because they said they needed money to get to the moon because the moon was made of drugs. <laughs> I thought, well, that's kind of, you know, the moon has been like a drug throughout human history. It's like we, you know, we blame things on the moon. You know, the tides, the tides are on the moon. We, we, we're kind of like you know, gravity changes with the moon. So like this whole idea of struggle and, and drugs and you know, pain, dealing with pain, and 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 the goal being like the sea of tranquility, and 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 that you could see me or the guy singing the song up there swimming one day, you know, in this kind of tranquil place. So that's how that's how that song came about, like thematically or lyrically. 
uh, it becomes a almost uh, metaphorical sea of tranquility for yeah. when it, when you think about that. And I, I, that, I think that's what, what you're describing is what I love about music. It puts you in a certain place in a certain time. It evokes certain imagery. That's what this album has done. And I don't sense necessarily a theme overarching, but obviously laying on the tracks was a really important one for you. Um, kind of dipping into the political realm and you got, had that out, you know, kind of before the election, it's been out for a while, mm. but, but talk about, your foray into into uh, writing this political song uh, because it's not I don't, it's more subtle than people would think. It's very right. clear what you're saying right. in, a, in a way, but it's subtle. Talk right. about what it's been like for you having done that. Um, well, I mean, uh, the 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 response was uh, uh, predictable in that people either got angry at the sentiment or they agreed with the sentiment. You know, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think it changed anybody's mind, you know, and, and so why write a political song unless you really think you can change your mind? Why, Interesting. Why, you know, so um, I don't know. I guess I felt that song came together, you know, the creation of that song was like two or three different kind of uh, melodies and, and verses and choruses that we had that we kind of just started like melding together and then, you know, I think at one point I said, you know, let's just lean into this, uh, this moment, you know, politically, you know, let's just, let's just, you know, cause I've never done that. I've never like made a, a reference to, to uh, current life, you know, like in Sea of Tranquility, I don't reference the, the newspaper account where I read, you know, the moon is made of drugs. So it's like, I feel like that, you know, makes songs smaller rather than mm. make them bigger. So, um, you know, just kind of leaned into that aspect of it. And, um, but if you look closely, like if you read the lyrics, you know, th there's the obvious verse about, uh, about Trump, but then there's, you know, there's an eye talking about, like the eye is singing about his failings. You know, it's not like you bad guy, you bad guy, you're wrong, you suck. It's really like, I'm part of the problem. You know, he says, uh, I say he, but the guy singing the song, which is, me in the sure. album, but it's like a fictional me. He says, uh, you know, the part of me that turned away, you know, I'm not, I have to, I have to kill, I have to break the chain because your suffering is my shame. It's, it's my suffering. You know, it's like, I've turned away. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, president me, as opposed to president, that guy, I'm just saying we're in a moment and uh, I share the mistakes, um, you know, but, you know, th that kind of stuff uh, is less uh, shiny. So people don't like, you know, they don't go beyond just like, oh, there's a stanza about Trump or whatever, but, but, you know, but whatever, that's just the way things are. There's an openness and an honesty there that I think you've touched on that it seems to me like if, if people just shared your sentiment, if, 75% of Americans, if 80% shared your sentiment that we wouldn't be where we are today. I feel like that we're as a, it's, it's a divided as, as a country as we've ever had. And that's not what I want. It's not what anybody wants. And maybe that this song, maybe it did impact uh, so, some voters or at least made people look at it in a different way. Is that, is that too much to ask? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like, it's hard to think about 
changing somebody's mind. People seem very dug in, you know, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the people that disagree with me. I'm talking about people that agree with me. Mm-hmm. So um, that has, yeah. well, that, that, that would be a good thing to change. I don't know. I don't know that a song can do that. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, uh, I think there have been songs that have been very important and that have kind of coalesced in, in movements, but uh, you can't like aim for that. You know, I, I, Dylan didn't write Blowing in the Wind, you know, to be that, you know. Sure. But it became that, you know. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I wonder if Blowing in the Wind changed anybody's mind. You know, we like to think because, you know, retrospect, it seems to have. But uh, also you had, at that point, you had folk music that had a tradition of, of being political uh, from from Woody Guthrie on, you know, of, of actually addressing very specific political things. So, well, you know, Land, I want to make sure that we get the release date out there. It's coming up uh, August twentieth. I know what a music fan you are and a music lover. Mm-hmm. We've seen the way we consume music change so much. Uh, obviously, the single is on, uh, you know, Apple Music and and things like that, and on streaming services. But is there a physical copy? Of, of this album? I mean, vinyl is such a big deal right now. You seem like a guy yeah. that has got a lot of vinyl. How's it going to be? How's it going to come out? Yeah, uh, There's going to be vinyl. There'll be a different color vinyl too, which is always kind of cool. You know, whenever I would buy bootlegs, because I would buy uh, back in the day, this tiny little record store on 8th Street and 2nd Avenue called Free Being. That tells you <laughs> what you need to know about that. And I would buy all these bootlegs, I, I, you know, because they were cheaper and they were cheaper because they sounded terrible, but I didn't know that, you know? So I was like, oh my God, I got all these songs on this live album, you know, for half the price. And uh, no, no, it didn't work out. But, but they would sometimes come out on like a yellow vinyl or a white vinyl and shit like that. I remember, I remember Beggar's Banquet was on white vinyl that I had. But uh, yeah, so there's going to be vinyl. Uh, I don't know if there's actually going to be like a 45 because I used to buy those too, like little singles on vinyl. Yeah, I absolutely uh, can't wait for that. And David, I'll tell you, I may be making a, a connection here that, that doesn't exist. You know, that's just kind of what I do sometimes. But you released your first album um, back in uh, 2015, Hell or High Water, right on the heels of doing Californication, a show where you very much played, uh, m- maybe not literally, but but Hank Moody was very much a rock star. The, the show was very much based around music. You had a lot of musician mm-hmm. uh, guests on the show. Was was this any coincidence that you, and did you have a chance to, to talk to any musicians yeah. that came on the show? Yeah. Sebastian Bach, Marilyn Manson, kind of leading <laughs> yeah. into that. <laughs> yeah. I think if you ever meet Sebastian Bach, you have no choice but to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I enjoyed I enjoyed my time on set with him. Uh, he's just a force of nature, that dude. And what a voice, too. But, um, you know, the, the music for uh, Californication, uh, Tom Kapanos is the creator of the show. Huge music fan and lover and wide-ranging taste. Like, is way more into heavy metal than I've ever been, but also loves Elton John. And we kind of bonded over a love of Elton John and trying to, trying to get Elton John songs into... Um, trying to forward Elton John, Elton John songs and put them in, in the show. I remember High Flying Bird was a beautiful song of Elton's that I wanted to use. And uh, while I was prepping to play the part in Californication, I just by chance got into the music of Warren Zevon, which I hadn't been into before that. 
And then Warren Zemon stuff became like, this is totally the sensibility of the show. I mean, it's like Warren Zemon wrote this show. And Tom, oddly, didn't even know that much about Warren Zemon. So mm. we kind of discovered that together. But, uh, you know, Marilyn Manson was on the show. Tommy Lee was on the show. Tim Minchin, who's a terrific uh, singer-songwriter, was on the show. Um, Zach Wilde. I did a scene with Zach Wilde. Uh, he gave me uh, that bullseye uh, guitar. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so I I would I would like I would I would fan out you know at at, at times and uh, and that was that was fun for me. Yeah. Do you have you ever played a character that's that's more self indulgent and than than Hank Moody? And I imagine that that surely daily in your life that you've got somebody running up yelling at Hank Moody, Moody yeah. quotes at you. You're our author in real life. You're this, there's some parallels here. Was yeah. that the most self-indulgent you've ever been as a, in a as a actor and as a, think, in a role? I think on the surface. Yeah. I think on the surface that, that to me, that's like the magic trick of the show is how do you play this guy who's making the wrong decisions superficially for sure. Uh, but has his heart in the right place and is in some way, you know, living by a code of family and of love that, that goes against uh, the, the current, uh, you know, mode of, of what that's supposed to look like, of family values, you know. And how do you do that in a way that you see the guy's heart, you know, underneath uh, all the mistakes he's making? So that, to me, that was the, the magic trick of the show. It was indeed a uh, magical time and just uh, a show that I, uh, I don't know, I've kind of ruined uh, my relationship life over it though. Trying to, every girl that I've ever dated or known, I, I make them watch Californication then they're never heard from again. So I don't know if that's yeah, a good thing I or a bad thing. You might want to rethink that. I, you know, we'll I see going forward. I appreciate, I appreciate the residuals, <laughs> but you might want to. Um, we've seen you in the, uh, right back in October uh, in the, 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 um, the legacy of uh, the craft, the, the craft legacy, excuse me, yeah. uh, which I was such a huge fan of the original. And when Blumhouse announced that uh, they're going to do uh, this craft sort of reimagining, I said, I don't know, like that, that was just such a classic 90s film and really stood on yeah. its own. And then someone said, well, David Duchovny's in it. I said, well, when's it come out? Let's do this. <laughs> it, you, it seems like if there's a role that seems like, oh, this maybe doesn't make sense, or this is kind of random, that David Duchovny, you find yourself in the role. And it, this, this was another example of that I thought it was tremendous. And I thought the film exceeded my expectations exponentially, well-written and well-directed. How did this kind of come about for you? And, and did you enjoy this, this role of being yeah. spoiler alert, a warlock in the craft? <laughs> well, it's too late for spoilers. <laughs> um, I, uh, the pandemic kind of spoiled that, 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 you know, the movie coming out, it, it didn't come out in theaters. Right. You know, it was made to be a, a movie that you saw in theaters, you know, but um, Zoe Lister-Jones, who wrote the uh, the script and directed it, uh, they uh, sent me the uh, script. Um, and, and when I looked at it, I was like you, I was like, well, you know, mm, it's been done. And and then I read like 10 pages of it. And I was like, oh, oh, Zoe's up to something here. This is interesting. This is interesting. And then I saw my character. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I don't really want to do that. And then there was the turn. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I want to do that. I want to do that. So it just came about that way. And, um, you know, I love Jason Blum. I think Blumhouse makes really, you know, fun and great films. And yes. So I was in. Well, 
David, before we cut you loose here, and you've been so generous with your time, and we can't thank you enough for this, um, got to hit you with our final four drum roll, which is four quick questions. They're fun, yep. and you just give us whatever comes to mind. Okay, so it might be hard to remember the last concert you attended as a fan, thanks to the pandemic, but what was the first concert you ever attended that you can recall? I saw at Roosevelt Stadium, Muddy Waters, Marshall Tucker Band, no, Charlie Daniels Band, and the Allman Brothers. That's badass. <laughs> That's badass. That's that, uh, that narrowly defeats mine of Metallica and Guns N' Roses in 92. Uh, next one, if you could uh, be on stage with any band, living or dead, and perform as the front man one set, what band would it be? Oh, God, I got to be the front man? You do. <laughs> well... I mean, it's it's horrible to say, but I would love to I would love to play with the Who behind me. But I'm I'm never ever ever want to replace Roger Daltrey. So that that's just the. We'll well, he just, can be there too. Nah, there. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll just leave that hypothetical. Uh, we I will like to 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 do Baba O'Reilly. Fuck, that'd be. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, um, Hank Moody voted for Who for president in 2020. Oh. Oh, he voted for Biden. Yeah, but, but okay. he's, one those, he's one of those false votes that uh, Trump was looking. No, for. the you're on the right track. I was gonna say the correct answer is uh, he had his uh, ID, his driver's license taken away, and was unable to right. send the mail-in ballot, and it was not validated. And he didn't vote. Exactly. So, exactly. Hank Moody, I don't think votes. Hank Moody yeah. never votes. <laughs> um, last one. Um, Live setting is such an important, you know, people that have seen you live, you know, you've done some European tours and things like that, know that it's yeah. such an event. You really like to to, to bring out yeah. and make it the audience a yeah. part of it. Touring plans uh, for 2021 slash 2022, yeah. when can we Nothing that? specific, you know, because this pandemic is slippery, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're, we seem to have entered into a, a new and, and, and worse phase than we were in just a month ago. So, um, you know, music is a... Music in, 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 a, in a venue that's not outside is, is an iffy proposition where people are packed together and breathing on one another and some guy is standing on stage spitting aerosols at you. So <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see when it's safe. Uh, if, if we could, we'd be out there right now, but I uh, can't be out there right now. Well, David, thank you so much. The album Gesture Land is tremendous. I think it's your best work yet. And I'm ready to kind of blast it on a cross country road trip coming next week. And all the credit to you, man. Thank you so much. Safe travels. Stay safe and stay healthy, my friend. Thank you. My pleasure. What an honor it was to catch up with uh, David Duchovny talking about his new album, Gesture Land. And again, I hope everybody will go check it out. Go to his website, uh, daviddecovney.com. You can get all the details on the album. It comes out August 20th. And uh, so we got about a month uh, until it officially hits. You can uh, hear the single laying on the tracks and uh, nights are harder these days. Those, those are available um, on streaming platforms currently. And uh, again, my favorite song on the album is Sea of Tranquility. I think it's just a beautiful musical arrangement. Great for like a, you know, a ride up the coast uh, with a top down type thing. I told him that in the interview. I think that this interview meant so much to me personally because uh, I connected so much with uh, his character of Hank Moody on Californication. It was almost like a quest and a mission to do this. And that's what this show has been from the beginning, just making the impossible possible. I rely on that so much in what I do every day. I knew from a young age, a nine to five job, you know, family, wife, kids, picket fence, uh, wasn't for me. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. 
this is a huge part of what I wanted to do. And I get to do that, and it's all thanks to you guys. Hope you'll hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any way you listen to the podcast, and of course our YouTube channel and our main overarching um, website is Starcade Media, starcademedia.com. Our YouTube channel, again, Starcade Media. That is the main media umbrella to which everything we does now falls under. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can get uh, these type of interviews. The video, you know, 95% of them, we're doing them on Zoom and we're putting them on the YouTube channel for our subscribers, uh, exclusively for our subscribers. We don't really publicize um, all the time the YouTube video, so it's there for the subscribers. This uh, audio version of the podcast is what you get, of course, every week. we got more coming up. I'm going to be out on the road towards Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, Colorado next week. But that's not going to keep the podcast from occurring. No siree. We're going to be joined by none other than uh, Fozzie, Trickster, Eric Martin bassist, PJ Farley, as well as a return of Johnny Rod. It's an all-base uh, podcast next week, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys so much for joining me. As always, we love that interaction uh, on the Road to Rock, Facebook, Twitter, RoadToRockPodcast.com. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week, and we will catch you guys next time.